Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, while the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated so many business trends, one trend that might not be going away is remote working. That's right. From big tech to smaller firms, many employees are wondering if they'll ever go back to the office. While we're all getting work done, are we being productive? That's a big question for a lot of people. And today's guest has some ideas to help you unlock the possibilities of remote work. Robert Glazer is the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. He's also the best-selling author and writes a weekly newsletter called Friday Forward. Well, Robert's next book on how to thrive in the virtual workplace releases today. Robert, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Jeffrey, thanks for having me. It's good to have you, and congrats. I know you're you're already hit the top ten, the top five. So, and I know that's not an easy feat, having done four books <laughs> myself. So, congrats. The process. Th- th- thank you. I'm a little little blurry eyed, but uh, we'll, we'll try we'll try to make it work. <laughs> hey, that's the way it works. If it were you know, if it weren't fun, you know, you wouldn't yeah. be doing it. So there you go. So as we talk about Robert, before we got out here on uh, on the podcast, the office is so ingrained in business's culture. Do you think we're ever going back? Yeah. So I look, we, we've been re- fully remote for 14 years, but it works for our company. It works for our industry. It works for the type of thing that we do specifically. I'm not, I'm not one that's like all offices are going away and everyone will be remote. But, but, I, but if you're, to me, this feels like, I, and I'm not, I'm not prone to hyperbole, but this feels a little like 1998. And you had some CEOs who were like, this internet thing is stupid. You know, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And, and then you had some others who kind of took it seriously. I, I don't, I would say as a generalization, I don't think we are headed for a future of work that is less flexible, um, particularly with, you know, the, the, the millennials and, and, and Gen Z starting to dominate the workforce. I, I don't I don't think that those demographics are looking for a five day of work in office experience, nor do I think that's right for for every situation. And look, it's not it's not just about the office. Right. If you've talked to anyone about Hey, do I need to get on the plane for that one hour meeting, you know, in San Francisco and fly back? I don't know anyone who goes, wants to go back to the same amount of travel that they are doing before. So I just think it's about being smarter. Uh, like there are some things I'm dying to see my colleagues again for like, like offsites, like they're terrible on horrible on zoom, like certain strategy meetings, but right. if I'm sitting there editing a, a book that we're going to write for four hours. Like I don't need to be, you know, Quietly, I don't need to be in an office to be to be doing that. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a strategy session today for C-Suite Radio, and I've got like, I don't know, 14 members of my team, and half of them are here, and half of them are somewhere else, and everybody's saying, what are you writing on the board? What's that you're saying there? It's yeah, just- it's also, it's all like, I, what the other thing we found is instead of like two 12-hour days, you know, the tolerance for for Zoom is only, you know, four hours or so, so you end up having to do three or four days. It's, it's just not, it's clearly not as productive. Look, we're going to have to do more of them. I think you even with our, you know, we might have one virtual board meeting a year and three in person. So I think this is sort of the, again, how do we get smarter, more flexible? You know, it's not that people don't want to see each other, all offices are, are, are going away. But, but look, Mark Cuban's been saying this a lot recently, you know, with relation to cryptocurrency, that supply and demand are undefeated. 
And uh, I, I think that's true. And if you, if you, if you're, if you're a CEO that's going to come out like Goldman Sachs or otherwise, and sort of, you know, just, just throw out remote work completely. I, I think you are going to find there's a lot of employees that are looking for flexibility that aren't going to want to work at your firm. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're spot on, but there are some people though, quite frankly, who need a place to work and should go to work. I'm watching a lot of young parents who are going like, no, my kid's going to go to a daycare. They're going to go to education. (laughs) They're going to go to school and I am going, or, or, or that person's going to watch them and I'm going to work. Yeah. And look, there's some demographic things. I think younger employees who live in small apartments in a city, you know, who that, you know, want to live and work in a city, they don't really want to be in their 300 square foot apartment, you know, all day long. So it, it, it depends. The, the demographic that's interesting, I think, is the 40 and 50 year olds who make up a lot of the management. You know, they've moved yeah. to the suburbs. They were the ones commuting in an hour or two a day. And I, I don't think they want to do that five days a week anymore. And if they're forced to choose, that's a lot of you know, management power that you might lose. In fact, I think what we haven't seen, I think we're going to break all turnover records this year. I think a lot of people have already moved and made their decision. Their companies just haven't made the decision yet. And and then once all the companies made the decision, now we're going to see who lines up and who doesn't. They're going to call people in and find out, you know, Fred just moved to Vermont from New York. He's not, he's not coming back into the office. Well, Robert Lee, uh, my last guest last week, Robert Lee, author of uh, Work That Counts, said we could see a hybrid workplace without question. I think that's the case. And a yeah. recent yeah. Wall Street Journal article article just said that hybrid work will get very messy. Do you agree with that? I- I agree with both statements. So one of the things I said in my book is I think the majority of the people choose hybrid and I think hybrid is the most dangerous because I think a lot of companies are going to default to hybrid as the absence of a strategy. And that's very different than hybrid as a strategy with very specific direction and guidance about what that means. Right. That's a smart uh, statement, by the way, I, I want to not, you probably yeah. know that already. It's a start smart statement, but, <laughs> but the way you phrase it, rather than having it done to you, you're saying, here's what we want to have as a result. And I think that's a very important statement. Yeah. Some companies are hybrid because they're just not making a choice and they're not clear, but you need to be really clear. Does this mean come to the office whenever you want? Does it mean come in Tuesdays and Thursdays? Does it mean you can live anywhere and need to live within parameters of the office? Like all of this stuff for hybrid to work, I think, needs to be really explicit. I wrote an article a few weeks ago. I mean, one of the things, telling your employees they can work from anywhere is a legal and and, a disaster. Like, I don't think many people realize what that actually means when they go move to London and you're on the hook for 50 grand for setting up an entity and getting them a pension and, and that sort of stuff. So flexible work and work from anywhere are not even remotely the same thing. Companies need to be very specific. We are fully remote. We operate a hub strategy. We are very specific about the approved states and countries that people can, can work in. You, well, and that's, and people don't understand that for those that are listening, if you've ever had this, I had an employee recently say they just moved from New York down to North Carolina. Like, whoa, 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 no, you can't. And they go, well, too late. I already did. Well, then you're no longer working here. Right. And, and they said, well, what do you mean? I thought that was no big deal. Well, no, I got to now I got to pay tax you register. You got to pay income tax. By the way, if you're a retailer, you might actually that one employee create something called Nexus and you can be on the hook <laughs> for sales tax in that state. Like it, this does the stuff that people always find out after the fact. And if you're right. not a big company with a huge legal department, it's a mess and it's expensive. Do you have a set of guidelines for people? Is it I assume it's in the book, but how about <laughs> and I apologize, but it's so yeah. brand new. I haven't read it yet. (laughs) 
Uh, or is there a you know a worksheet that people should consider when putting up to a hybrid uh, strategy? I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think there's just some tips about the types of questions you have to ask about, about, again, it's all about being explicit. What does it mean? Can you do everything? When are people expected in? Is it days? Is it truly when they want? Like what are non-negotiables? Like how are you going to handle like equity issues of, of, you know, I see that, you know, Andy goes in every day and is hanging out with Jeffrey and seems to be getting promoted. And I'm not like these, are unfortunately there's no quick checklist, but these are all things that need to be sorted out to figure out what your company's definition of hybrid is. Well, unintended consequences. That's what we're just talking about. Let's take a quick break. I I need some intended consequences. (laughs) I need to talk about some of my sponsors and my advertisers. We'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back. We're uh, listening and watching right here, All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio as we're live casting on Facebook and LinkedIn. This is fabulous. Today, I'm talking with Robert Glazer. He's the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. He's got a brand new book out called Thrive in the Virtual Workplace. Check that out. Number five right now on Amazon. So it's it's trending up, which, as you would expect. Now, Robert, a recent study by Harvard and uh, Business Review found that 32% of employees don't want to return to the office and 21% never want to work from home again. I mean, so how how do we find a balance? How do I go to my team and say, well, some of you really do need to come back? What's interesting, 21% said never. I I asked uh, 2,000 readers, subscribers, and only 2% said they wanted to go back full time. So yeah, look, this is is the thing. This is... Uh, this is the same, my same belief in core values. Or otherwise, you can't be everything to everyone. You need to figure out the right strategy based on your demographics, your business model, your customers, your stakeholders, your employees. You need to put a flag in the ground and you need to understand that, you know, a lot of people may leave and will go for a different value proposition. So, you know, this is part of like asking one of the excerpts from the book. I talk about Eric Huberman from Hawk Media. They bid a two-year build-out, million-dollar office in Santa Monica. It's on all these TV shows. It's beautiful. Pandemic hits. They ask everyone. 81% said they never wanted to come back again. So Eric, rather than saying, like, forcing everyone back, was like, look, he's got a young demographic. They, they, they told me what we want. We're going we're gonna to change, change our game plan. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think different companies will have different strategies that appeal to different people. It's not a right or a wrong. It, 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 it's... You know, one company may just choose their in-person, do the same thing as another, but people will gravitate to that one if they want in-person and they'll gravitate to the other one if they want remote uh, and and flexible. But yeah, you're going to have some diametrically opposed desires. And, 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 And my quote I used last week in writing about this is my new favorite Steve Jobs quote is like, if you, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. Like this is the time to... This is a time to be a leader, declare a strategy. You know, McKinsey said that 40% of companies haven't declared their strategy yet. And the other 30% have been completely murky in their communication. And this ambiguity is leading to disengagement, anxiety, and all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, dancing around this is not is not the answer. Like, it'd be better to make 80% of the people happy and 20% of the people unhappy than everyone else, everyone confused. Yeah, there's going to be, without question, there's going to be a lot of tension in it. You know, we had one member who was a fairly substantial, about $800 million uh, engineering firm. And one of the things that they did is they said, hey, you're going to work from home. Here's the deal. 
we're going to reduce our footprint of our office. We're going to trim out about $40 million. I think it was, it could have been as much as $80 million in real estate costs that they were paying. They were going to just trim that out, cut it out. And they gave every single employee $10,000 to outfit their offices at home. That, that, that's a strategy, right? And that's supporting, and that's supporting the strategy. And and again, the person who doesn't want that will go find another business. Um, You know, there've been a couple of CEOs lately who said, we're not talking politics at work. We're not doing this. And they had 30% of the company leave. And then their applications were flooded, right? Of people who said, great, I, I want a place where we don't talk politics in the workplace. So this is Great companies and great cultures are differentiated. They have a unique point of view. They'd say, this is what we stand for and this is what we don't stand for. Again, I can't stress this enough. I, I, I think being murky is where you're going to get in real trouble. That company's clear. People go, I don't want $10,000. I want an office. So I want to go work somewhere else. Great. That person moved on and someone else came in and was like, or they, or exactly that person what I want. said, no, I'm coming into the office and that's yeah. what they're doing. And they're, they're part of that team that said it. And Oh, they can do the thinner footprint. Yeah. I think offices, we're seeing offices being redesigned more for the activities that offices are better used for. You know, another thing that's not ta- like meeting space and, you know, conferencing and collaboration. Another thing that's not talked about is the whole open office experiment of the last 20 years has been completely debunked. It is it ruins productivity. Like the concept of people being able to not stuck in a corner office and see other people was right, but open desks where people are distracting each other all day long and they have to put on noise canceling headphones to get any work done is not productive. So that's what offices looked like. And, And if you look at the data, it was people were almost like in most cities were taking an hour each way to get there and they were more distracted than ever when they got there. So it's not like a lot of our day in an office was super productive in the last couple of years. Yeah. I think you got to find that. I mean, we went to a more open office atmosphere and yet it's just too loud. It's too yeah. loud. Yeah. And it's not just me, everyone that's listening. Well, right open now. should mean like, it's not the corner office, like where there's the Jeffrey like executive suite and everyone else is out there, those. but I need you need those, a probably. lot more private rooms and phone rooms. Like I don't need to hear you talking to your partner about what you're doing for dinner or whatever that night, like people need privacy. If they're talking to clients or partners or otherwise. So, you know, but even before this, the whole, the open office thing was really coming under fire as, as, as being a productivity destroyer. So, so, you know, again, commuting two hours a day and then in a place where you're distracted about every 17 minutes, like it wasn't like we were dealing with a great situation to begin with. Yeah. So what are the benefits of remote work and, and maybe what are some of the pitfalls? Yeah. I, look, I think the, I'm more of a fan of flexibility than necessarily remote work. I think people want flexibility to think about what they need to do that day, their family, their lifestyle. Otherwise, I mean, there's been some real reflection after the pandemic. Um, so, so that that's what appeals to people the, the, the most. The challenges are you have to be much more explicit about things, things like onboarding and training. People really actually struggle at home. The data shows people were worried. You know, if you were remote working eight years ago, people thought you weren't working and you were just you know, shuffling your kids around and that it was kind of a scam. The the data actually shows people work more at home. They have actually a hard time drawing boundaries. So it's it that ten thousand dollars getting people set up with the right private area, the right systems, like not having their computer in their bed or at the dining room table, like actually having a workplace, having a home place and creating those distinctions. We have found that barriers are the number one employee issue and and changing to an outcome oriented managerial style is the number one leadership issue. 
I would argue that great leaders should be on an outcome oriented style already. Some are just being forced to because they can't manage inputs because they're not seeing their employees every day. Yeah. I mean, these are some key points. I, I love, I just wrote down, you know, must have a private area. I never, you know, I think of that. I've got to have a little office area where it's kind of away from everything locked in that not locked off, but you know what I mean? In terms of just a way so that if someone else is doing something in the house, I'm not hearing the vacuum cleaner go off or yeah. whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. We, we were explicit about that. Obviously there was a big relaxation during COVID because people weren't set up, but we were always remote before that. And we were very explicit about the setup people expected to have in a client service business. They were not going to be doing client service calls from their kitchen table with their kids screaming in the background. Like that is not, that is not what we were looking for. So, you know, we would set up, we would show them the type of environment that, that we expected them to have. And that was, that was part of the trade-off. Yeah. It has to, it has to look and operate like an office. Yeah. And it's got like a work area, you, you know, increasingly like a background, you know, this is my, my green screen, like headphones, a camera, like all of this stuff. If you're, you're selling, you're talking to clients are very important parts of, of, of perception. It's, it, it is a part of, uh, of uh, perception and it's part of your brand value. So, but you started Accelerate, uh, you started Acceleration Partners, a remote company. How hard is it to build culture over the video conference call? Yeah, look, we've won over 30 best places to work awards. And that's not for companies that um, uh, were, were remote. So we, we built a unifying culture. Uh, we get together in person. Part of our hub strategy of picking specific cities is designed to create that socialization. We actually have an all company event every year for four days. That's pretty deep. Our teams are out traveling and meeting clients together. Just the industry we were in and looking at the talent, it didn't make sense for us to have one location. The talent wasn't there. So there's a lot that we do to build team and culture and be intentional. Um, in fact, a lot of people tell us they feel more connected here than they have at other, at other companies. So a lot of the book is actually focused on the cultural foundations that, that make remote work work. And I, I, and I, one thing I've seen is that the companies who made the shift really quickly all had good cultures. If you had an unhealthy culture of, 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 you know, trust problems and all these things, and then you try to get everyone working from home is kind of, kind of a disaster. So there, there's some basic foundational pieces around how do you do this again? To me, it's, it's, it's about, it's about high accountability, flexibility. It's not about that you're working from home or not working from home. It's kind of just in a, it's like a different social compact with the, with the employees. All right. Speaking about being flexible, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back and we're live casting right here on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. We're talking about all things virtual. So let me ask a question, Robert. How can leaders lead and help their teams grow in the virtual work war? I, I love the fact that you said that, you know, the outcome oriented leadership, I wrote that down yeah. as a real takeaway. So is that where I should be focusing? Yeah, I think you should start thinking about the metrics that are shared, the accountability. Uh, I always put the example of sales, you know, Jeffrey, if you had two sales per people and, and you, you said one, you know, made 20 calls yesterday and sold $1,000 and the other made two calls and sold $10,000, like you're not going to reward the the first one, right? You, but, but this is what we do all the time. We, we award action, face in seat time, all this stuff. I think, again, back to great company, clear goals, metrics, things that are laid out for people, outcome orientation, you know, good delegation, which means 
here's what I would like you to do. Let's talk about it up front. Let's set the deadlines. Let's set the accountability, put those metric outs there. We have a public scorecard on our key metrics and create, you know, that accountability, whatever that equivalent is that you're comfortable with your measuring your salespeople on an outcome, you need to figure out that equivalent for your other people too. And, and they'll be much happier being managed on performance and outcome than, than inputs and how many hours a day they were in the seat. Look, I've heard a lot of companies are now spying on their employees. They're using tracking technology. The employees are now are buying mouse movers on Amazon to keep them. Like if this is the game that... <laughs> If this is the game that you're in, your business is losing. You're, right? you're in trouble already. Yeah, you're, you're in trouble. It. You've lost. You've lost. Yeah. Even yeah. in a virtual world, you can have, you know, management by walking around, right? You can right. still have an open concept of leadership in terms of that. I mean, I constantly, you know, we utilize Zoom very heavily, like a lot, I'm sure a lot of teams. We were one of the very first companies on Zoom many years ago when Eric started that platform. And I remember when he first gave it, he gave it to me. He said, go try this, Jeff. And yeah. so we were very instrumental with that and giving them feedback and we've just been wonderful. But, you know, I'm pinging people all throughout the day. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Talk to you about this. Just so it's a way to stay connected. We see each other face to face. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And look, we have, we have our management meeting on Thursdays. We have dashboards. We all fill in what we've done that week. Like there are, there are ways to, to, to focus on accountability, you know, without, without having to, to, to see someone. In fact, it, sometimes it can force you a little more to, to focus on accountability again. I, cause I'm not making the assumption just that as I see you sitting in that chair, that you're actually getting stuff done. Yeah. Uh, game on. Can you explain, uh, we only got a couple minutes left, but I want to make sure I get your uh, Friday forward. Who's that yeah. aimed at? How did it get started and how did it grow? Uh, it started uh, from a note that I started writing to my team of 40 people who were all distributed at the time. It came out of a pretty intense leadership program I did where we started focusing on reading and writing in the morning. We were told to read something positive. I didn't like the stuff that I was given. They were sort of just positive quote books. So I decided to write something that was sort of motivating, but a little, uh, you know, a little challenging at the same time, started sending it for six or eight weeks. Didn't think anyone was even reading it. Then I was getting notes back. What happened was it started to get shared outside the company. At that point, I opened it up and said, if it had value and threw some people on it and said, if you want to join this, I called it Friday forward because it was getting forwarded. And now, you know, there's 200,000 people in 60 countries that get that, that note five years, six years later, every, every week. And does that surprise you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not what I was expecting, but, but look, tying us to the earlier discussion, I get 50 to hundred notes every week from someone writing me a really personal note about the impact of one of these things from a country who I don't know. Like there are definitely ways to make connection outside of in person. I mean, all, really the magic formula for that was consistency and focusing on delivering value to others. It never had a marketing bent. It never was trying to sell anything. It just always had a, you know, a message each week that could be both a little inspirational and maybe motivating for people. Same thing with my podcast. People say, why do you do it? I said, it's what good people do. And I yeah. like to do it. I get, I get more out of it than the people listening. And so that's the real reason I do it. But I also found it's really good for business too, in terms of getting the right. Yeah, if you, if you if you create value for others, then then somehow value finds its way to you. Every single week, get those cards. Cards and letters are coming. More like emails and tweets, but that's okay. Hey, Robert, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with the book. Yeah, tell everybody where they can get it. Of course, I'm sure it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere else. 
Yeah, all, all those people. It's actually the ebook is 99 cents through uh, Sunday. Uh, you can go to robertglazer.com and glazer.com and uh, you'll find all the books there, Friday Forward and and uh, a couple courses too. Uh, if you buy the book this week, the hardcover, the audiobook, you can get uh, the full remote course for free as well. That's what I like. Good blatant plugging. That's good. Right. I love that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Hey, at the end of every day, I like to talk about what I learned from today's interview with Robert. And of course, I love the book, How to Thrive in the Virtual Workplace. I'm going to go out and get it because I'm struggling with that too. Are you going to have a policy for your business that's dictated to you, meaning you you just you know, like you didn't do anything. So therefore, you have to take it. Or are you going to put forward a plan? I'd rather put forward a plan. I thought that was good. And I love the concept of outcome of what outcome oriented leadership. That was the one big takeaway I took today. And I wrote notes uh, to myself. I got to get my butt in gear and get to get together on a policy. You know, we've been doing a couple of different things, but you know, we should really make it official. We should really talk about it. And we haven't done that with the team. Um, so that's what I took away today is to get my butt going and get a policy in place, um, at least with some guidelines and, and lead rather than have it happen to me. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlitt on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends, okay? You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.